Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it's my pleasure to welcome Gabriel Coase. Gabriel is the Manager of Business Development Operations for Magic Gaming. He's going to talk all about his career path from France to Orlando to become the first esports partnership person in the history of the NBA. We're going to talk a lot about traditional sports versus esports, how to engage gamers, and more. Join me in talking to Gabriel. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC DLC Drop Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. I am super excited to welcome my guest today, Gabriel Kuss. He is the manager of biz ops for Magic Gaming. Thank you for being here, Gabriel. Of course. Thanks for having me, John. Absolutely. So you have done a lot in the esports space, specifically in the NBA 2K portion of the esports space. And it's actually a league that was very significant to me in my career path. So back when I was at GameStop, head of partnerships, and they said, hey, you know, we want you to figure out esports for us in addition to partnerships. That was shortly after that the NBA 2K League was announced. And I was talking to a lot of people at bigger brands who didn't know anything about esports. And it really, I felt that the fact that the NBA was having teams that are owned by NBA teams compete in NBA 2K, the video game, and they're competing against each other, it really justified esports in a lot of traditional sports people's minds as, wow, this is something I understand and this is really something. And you... If, if if I'm not mistaken, we're the first esports partnership manager in the history of the NBA. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I don't know if that says much about me, but at least it says that the uh, the magic were were really determined to you know get into that space and, and be there for real. But... Exactly. So I, I'm really curious. That's kind of my you know my perspective of it from the GameStop perspective of wow, we're selling all these games. We're trying to figure out the strategy. You know, we hosted the NBA at our headquarters. I went to New York, met with all of the teams, tried to figure out a strategy there years ago. What was that like from your side when the NBA 2K League was announced? So to be fair, it was announced right before I got in with the Magic. So I remember hearing the announcement. I personally wasn't a big 2K player myself. I've always been a FIFA fan and always been into soccer. And I remember interviewing with the Magic and asking questions about, you know, I mean, what their plans were and, you know, how the whole thing came to life. And it was, it was memorizing, mesmerizing, right? It was, it was really interesting to see the, the way a, a league like the NBA, which if you know anything about the NBA, when they do something, they go, you know, they go, go all in Yeah. to just look at this and say, all right, there's an opportunity here. And so I can, I can tell you a little more about, about how that, you know, what happened after that. But, but to be fair, from the, from the get go, from the time it was, it was launched, I got hired really right after that. Wow. And were you hired because of the league or were you hired for a different reason? And then they said, hey, this is a new thing. Take it over. I was, I was hired because of the league. So at the time, I was the director of sponsorships for a soccer team back in Colorado. Uh, that's mm-hmm. where we used to live. And again, I've, been a, I've played video games my whole life, but my career is in sports, right? traditional sports. Yeah. So you know, from doing my internships at the, at the Olympic Committee, to, you know, working in professional soccer, to 
always thought this is it. I'm, I'm going to work in soccer and that's going to be my career. And then with the magic came knocking, I thought it was super interesting. The fact that I could have both, you know, kind of utilize what I've learned from a sports perspective yeah, and add esports to that. So it was, it was, uh, it was definitely interesting. So because of the TK league and the Christian TK league, that brought me to the magic and then I kind of grown from there, but, but it was originally because of the league. The DLC drop podcast is sponsored by ice shaker. I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder Chris Gronkowski. What I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. iShaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my iShaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for iShaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your iShaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC Drop branded iShaker at iShaker.com forward slash DLC Drop. Save 20% on all iShaker products with the discount code DLC Drop. That's really cool. I'm a big believer in people who have traditional expertise in sports and in business, but also have an appreciation for gaming coming alongside the endemic industry and being able to work together for to share knowledge and, you know, rising tides raise all boats for this industry to grow, respecting the cultural aspect of gaming and keeping it pure, but also adding in those traditional business element elements to build sustainable businesses, right? And at the end of the day, if, if you look at esports, right, and the way it's grown, I know like people who work in esports don't like to be compared to people who work in traditional sports. But at the end of the day, a lot of if you talk to like all the leagues that were created and all the a lot has been taken from the sports model, right? And just applied to esports and then they've added different things to it, which made esports now. So yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's helped and and listen, no, no matter if you like League of Legends or Call of Duty or Overwatch or 2K or like when one becomes successful, you know that it helps everybody else right, to your point. So absolutely, um, I think it's been, it's been a great thing for everybody. Well, it all comes down to entertainment in my mind. You know, people have this this debate is is esports actually sports. And my answer is always, well, that that depends on your individual definition of sports. But I think that definition doesn't matter nearly as much as just saying, hey, this is entertainment. This is what every young person across the world is doing. This is the way that they're engaged. And if you look at traditional marketing with traditional sports ticket sales, they don't view those ticket sales initiatives as purely sports. They view it as a night of entertainment. And my team has to win that argument for a family, a couple, or an individual that I want you to come into the Orlando Magic basketball game rather than not just, you know, going to a football game or a soccer game, but also the movies, the restaurant, staying home. And so it all comes together with this business aspect. And I, I think the most important thing is really people respecting gaming and collaborating with gamers to not muddy the waters and make this thing esports something that it wasn't originally intended to be which is 
people having a great time competing at the highest level and watching each other do it. Yeah, to to your point, I don't I don't understand personally why we keep comparing both. It, it, exactly, you're exactly right. It, it's two different forms of entertainment. That's what it is. Yeah, and so it doesn't mean that like. Like I'm a sports fan, but I work in esports, so I enjoy esports, right? It doesn't mean you have to pick between one or the other. It doesn't mean I mean it's not like the games at the same time or the, the matches. Like you can you can like both, right? Enjoy both. So I've I heard that argument when I first started in esports. Mm-hmm. I feel like not a few years later that's gonna you know, people understand it, you know what, it's a different thing. It's got its own trajectory trajectory. So you just enjoy enjoy it for what it is. And if you believe in esports, then great. If you don't, then you know, move on and, and follow sports that we're used to, right? But I think I think esports provides a a different type of entertainment that yeah. appeals to so many you know young fans now that um, and that's why it's getting so big. I think you're right. I think young people require brands and organizations to come to them rather than being pulled to the thing that those brands and organizations traditionally have done. And it's proven, if you look at the data, that that is gaming, and then the competitive form of gaming is esports. You gave a little bit of that career path, kind of a a hint with the soccer and then the magic, but I always find it fascinating. People who are successful, people who are industry leaders, how did you get here? Where did this career path of yours start? And give us kind of a concise summary of whether that was a straight line or... Uh, a crazy journey that you didn't see getting here. What was that like? You know, I think when I look back, it, it, and I would I would argue anybody who has a career could say the same thing. It's almost like you have multiple careers within that career, right? Like mm. there are times if you look back twenty years, you were somewhere where you had no clue would be uh, compared to now. That's what happened to me too. I mean, I, I grew up in France. That's that's where the accent is is from. I thought it was Florida. Uh, I thought that was a Florida accent. To be honest with, I mean, southern, is that it's a southern enough? Florida okay. French? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. And so growing up in France, like I, I didn't know I was going to come all the way here. I didn't know like I was going to study sports management. I didn't know, like my dad was a working HVAC and uh, yeah. growing up, that's, that's where I got all my, and back in France, if you want to, if you start studying something, no matter what it is, you have to keep it going until you graduate. But if you don't, if you drop halfway through, it's not like you're in college where you can drop and pick something else and, you know, set to go into marketing instead of. Wow. Instead of, you know, whatever it is. And so I had to go and pick something and then go all the way to get a diploma. And so that's what I did because my dad did that. Wow. Does um, it, so did that create quite a bit of pressure on you as a young person or because that was just the cultural norm where you just like, yeah, this is how it is? Yeah, it was, it was tough because you get to the point where like, you know, you're in a field that you don't enjoy. That you're probably not going to probably not going to pursue at the end of the day, but you have to get a, a degree. Wow. And so getting a degree, whatever degree that was, allowed me to get, you know, here eventually and go to college because that's that's what was needed for a national student. Um, and and what so, degree did you get then? HVAC. Okay. So I worked, yeah, I worked in, in you know, hitting systems and air conditioning and, you know, just, just like my dad. We lived at the, in the Alps, by the, by the bottom of the Alps, the border of Switzerland. And so yeah. there's a lot of work in Switzerland in that field. And so that was it. That was my, you know, I'm going to do this. So every summer I would just work and do my internships and, uh, I never liked it, but it was it was a way to make some some cash and and again get, get a degree. So, so at some point, I mean, I've I'd always played soccer my whole life. I traveled internationally to play. I was just a huge soccer fan, and I knew that I wanted to do something with soccer. And back in school, out there, they called me the American because I didn't speak English that well. But they 
they knew it was kind of like a goal of mine to just you know come overseas and 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 try something different cool. and so anyway so you know years went by i did a few different things i served a, a volunteer mission for for my church for two years you know that helped me learn the language and just you know and that's what brought cultures. you here to the u.s so that brought me to a different spot that brought me to the caribbean islands close enough and a lot of the guys that I worked with at the time were either americans or canadians cool so we talked about the u.s all the time and and so when i got home i decided to work i worked for the headquarters for rolex the watches um, yeah are, are based in geneva switzerland so i worked there for about a year made you know put some money on the side and that was always my goal so you know what i'm gonna just try it out go out go to college get a different degree and then start my life again and so wow. um so that's what i did so i had about enough money to pay for about a year of school and i thought i'm just gonna see if i can get scholarships and, and see where it goes so I went to school, played soccer, got a scholarship eventually. And then eventually from there, I mean, it took care of, you know, all my schooling and then my wife in the meantime. And, and so my degree was in, in sports management. Okay. And so by the time I finished with my degree from the University of Colorado, I was a soccer player at the time and, and I thought, all right, I got to work in sports. So this is yeah. it. So I've, I did a few things. I worked as a, I worked in sales as a recruiter. And then there was a soccer team that was announced in the city that I was that I was living in Colorado Springs, and so I literally just emailed him and said, "Look, I've got some self experience. I'm a big soccer fan. I've got a degree. I'll, I just want to work. Like I'll do anything." Yeah. And so, so I started working in ticketing, made my way to partnerships to becoming the director of partnerships for them, and then from there on, you know, things kind of. But again, not none of that had to do with esports at all, right? Until, and and it, it didn't. It, it it's not because I didn't have an interest for it. It's because. At that time, and in my opinion, sports was where to go. And I wasn't even looking at esports or a career in esports. So when I heard about the 2K League and what the Magic were doing, all of a sudden it just kind of brought a whole different perspective. And I thought, you know what, if I can, if I can work for a team like the Magic, which I've always, always been a fan of, and like if, if I can work for them and then also you know, have a, a piece of that that's about esports, I think it's a win-win. And so that, that's what happened. That's really cool. Actually, coincidentally, the Orlando, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, but the Orlando Magic was my favorite team when I was growing up as a kid. Basketball was my favorite sport. I'm pretty short, but I was able to <laughs> drain some threes and drain some free throws at a young age. And we actually, at my the house I grew up in, we completely painted my bedroom Orlando Magic colors. I had Orlando Magic bed sheets, pillow curtains everything and it was the shack and penny days that the the one nice. basketball jersey i ever owned was that number one penny hardaway jersey and so it just bring me back to my youth when 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 you came on the zoom and i saw your shirt i was like you're bringing me back here so that's really cool that's that's the beauty of the beauty of sports right that's so, exactly uh, right yeah, yeah. And I, I was a kid out in central california you know there's literally no tie to Orlando other than the fact that I was a big Penny Hardaway fan and then you know when Shaq joined the team and then I actually my first move out of the house pursuing my professional skateboarding dreams was to Orlando where I lived for a year so a lot of things are coming together a lot of connections happening to be. today on this episode yeah. I'm curious because you so directly had experience in traditional sports with partnerships and then you've had experience in esports with partnerships, albeit under a traditional sports umbrella, what are some of those major differences that you've experienced leading partnerships for traditional sports versus esports? 
Good question. It's pretty, pretty similar in my opinion. I mean, just like if we were going to start partnerships for, uh, I'm not making it up, but let's say you went from, you know, Formula One racing to, to the NFL, right? Like, sure. It, the, the process is the same. Yeah. It's just a different product. So because it is a different product, you're reaching a different, I mean, the brands you're talking to are trying to reach a different audience. Right. So there's a different, there's a different approach, I guess. You know, you're talking to different people. But the, the process of partnerships, in my opinion, right, it's it's always been about relationships. So at the end of the day, like once you can build those bonds and, and create those relationships with, with the client, then the rest doesn't really, really matter. Like if the client feel like, feels like he can trust you, he or she can trust you. You know, I've, I've kept in touch with clients from my soccer time, right, like five, six yeah. years ago. But literally, they'll just come to Florida and give me a call, right, or we'll go get a drink, like it's not about at that point it's not about you know selling anymore it's about like we've developed a relationship and so yeah so that that's why i don't really see again the audience that those brands are trying to reach is different and so i think the biggest thing would be and not as much now but esports a few years back was so unknown from the bigger brands that it was more about every call i would be educating those brands about what esports is that's what i was gonna guess yep yeah but but aside from that i mean you know, after that, it's all it's all good. But yeah, the education piece is is a big one. Yeah, you're you're building the same packages. You're identifying sponsorable assets, hospitality, social. You know, building something custom to the needs of the client that your property has, right? And it's no different traditional versus esports versus maybe the online streaming component is slightly different than the live events. And then, but I think that big thing is like what the heck is this? (laughs) And yeah, all the questions around that. What have you found? Are there any analogies or examples? You've you've given countless brands, education, esports, I'm sure. I've given quite a few myself. Anything that you found is particularly helpful in helping people understand what esports is and why youth are engaged in it? Yeah, there are a few things. One thing I like to do is just as much as some people may hate that, but it's it's comparing it to to sports. I remember when when we first started selling Fometric Gaming, I would literally have two slides, right? One that says traditional sports, right? Here is the team, and here is the sport, and here is the league, and here is the, the you know here are the channels where it's it's being broadcast, and here is esports, right? And just replace those to like kind of show like very 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 simple, almost like a like sports for dummies. Right. Um, no offense to the, the brands I'm talking to, you, but. To, to really show them, like, look, if you if you don't think you understand it, it's a lot easier than you think, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there's some other differences that I, I didn't have to get into, but, but that, was, that was kind of my way of, of trying to explain, look, you used to doing traditional sports or to, to advertising through traditional sports. You used to using a more traditional way of advertising through, you know, billboards and through. So I had to kind of like compare, take what they knew and compare it to what we do in esports. And obviously, the more numbers, the more data you have, the, the better it is. So. Yeah. One that really worked for me, really opened my eyes. I think credit to Jeff Moore at Envy, now Optic. He compared esports, which like an org that has multiple teams, to collegiate sports, where if you think about what University of Central Florida, it's probably not too far from you. They've got a football team, a basketball team, a baseball team, et cetera, right? Something like Envy would have a Counter-Strike team, a Call of Duty team, Overwatch, etc. And so 
I found one that was one of the most confusing pieces is like, wait a minute, you're a team, but you have multiple teams. Do the do the players play multiple sports? And it's like, no, there's no Bo Jacksons. There's no Deion Sanders here. Everybody's so that was a really big unlock to me. Just like, oh yeah, we all understand collegiate sports. Like I know a college has multiple teams and they typically only play one sport. It's also true with esports orgs. That makes sense. That's a good one too. I think the other thing too that is actually a special opportunity for esports, different than traditional, I'm curious on your take on this, is the content creator piece. Where there's so much access. It depends on the org, depends on the player. Some pros stream as well, of course. And then you have some people who are just a content creator. And that unrivaled access that I, I would compare it to, let's say, you know, the Orlando Magic going back in the day, you know, sitting there with Penny Hardaway, you're shooting threes together, you're just sitting on the bench watching him dunk and stuff like that, that we don't see at all in traditional sports. Or maybe it's starting to to lean that way as they're learning from esports. What is your take on that unique value on esports with content creators and access? I think it's huge. It just has to be utilized the right way. And also, I think esports organizations have to be honest about you know who they have on board and and the amount of value that those brands can get. Like, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Depending on if you look at the TK League, none of those players or very few of those professional TK League players are content creators. They are TK League players, right? And that's that's their focus. In other leagues, esports leagues, you have a lot more of those players that become content creators, or that's right. So I think teams also have to be honest about about this and and you know tell the real value to those brands. But yeah, it's huge. I mean, how often can you can you you know connect with LeBron James and and you know say something on on his stream, right? If he did, and right. and get a get a reply, right? Like so, it's it, it it opens it opens up a whole new different world of not only of value for the brands, but also of career for for those content creators themselves, right? I mean, it's now they can make not only just tons of money, but they they you know their audience is growing like crazy simply because they they're being consistent. And so it's a it's a whole different whole different side of the world that I think a lot of brands are starting to really pick up. Yeah, and I would argue that some brands now would rather. I've actually had that comment before where a brand would tell me, "Listen, like." Yeah, we could partner, but I could also just pay a content creator and have access to you know five million fans or, or right. whatever it is. So, so it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. So that's a great point. What is the difference there if a brand is approaching you? And because I mean, I think the content creator approach is a great one for brands who you know they're goals align with what just a content creator can provide and there's going to be other brands and other goals where a team like yours is the right solution where would you lean on that or or what are the types of goals that you know magic gaming is providing or you know accomplishing for partners yeah i think it really depends on the brand right and what they're looking for because i i've always been a big believer I mean, you can BS your way through some kind of partnership at some point. Somebody will notice because guess what? When you sell the partnership, you also have to handle the partnership once it's sold, right? You're not selling knives. Big time. When you just sell something and then you walk away. You got to be so... I'm a big believer in just letting the brands know, look, listen, like this is really the, the, the exposure that we can give you, right? And mm-hmm. we personally may not be able to give you the content creation perspective because we don't have content creators, right? But if you're looking for content creators, 
I would recommend going with Misfit Gaming Group, right? We've actually worked with them for that purpose to be able to yeah. tell brands like, Love those guys. we don't yeah. have this, but there is a team out there who does it well and they've got content creators in those games and you know, I'm happy to be in touch with it. So that's kind of the way we've approached it, honestly, is to say is to be able to recognize what we have, what we don't have, and then you know, kind of help brands decide look, I'm not going to BS you and tell you I have something I don't. Now, from a magic gaming perspective, like we've got a giant behind us, which is the magic. We've got, so we have opportunities that maybe a team like the Misfits wouldn't have because they're focused on more of the content creation portion of things. So there are a lot of different reasons why a brand would go one way or another, but I think the most successful partnerships out there are the ones where you see those groups or those teams collaborating and being able to say, look, I'm, I'm not the best at this go see those guys like that's what they do yeah. right and then they, and then they do the same thing that's really cool that's a great idea and i think it's unique to the gaming community because everybody's friends right it's, it's a small group of people we're all trying to do our thing but rising tides raise all boats i think when you know when optic gaming lands oakley as a you know, as an eyeglass partner, I think everybody's cheering, right? They're not saying, oh man, I wish I got that. But it's like, hey, this has brought more awareness to our to our industry around a new category sort of a thing, right? Like maybe now I can go land whichever, right? I'm not a big eyeglass, sunglass guy. So, but if, if somebody would like to sponsor the podcast, holler at me, I can become a sunglass guy very quickly. But I, I think it's cool that you talk about misfits and I've, Love those dudes. Justin Stefanovich over there and the whole team are awesome. But being able to say it's so strong just being honest, right? Where I remember I, I used to sell cell phones in the in the mall. I was that guy actually in the Florida mall <laughs> when I was in Orlando. I was that guy you're trying to avoid eye contact with as you're walking by. And I'm like, yo, you want a phone? And one of the biggest, most positive sales tactics that I learned was simply being honest with somebody essentially saying, hey, okay, I was selling T-Mobile. And people would come to me and we would have that thing where you could check the coverage on the map. And if you sold a phone to somebody and you didn't check their coverage or you didn't tell them they didn't have coverage, like you're not doing yourself any favors because now you just have somebody pissed off who's going to return that phone, right? But if you went to somebody and you said, hey, I would love to sell this to you, but I don't think you're going to have a great experience, but I can refer you to my friends at Verizon, which are going to be more expensive. You're going to have a longer contract, but your phone is going to work. You know, And if there's anybody who you would like to consider sending to me, I would appreciate it. That's that long-term sales approach, right? And it sounds like you're doing something very similar with being honest with partners so that you not can just sign them originally, but re-sign them. And then being a great source to say, hey, Misfits has a great content creator solution for you or something like that let me let me bring in justin and the team is that accurate yeah that's exactly what what we what we try to do and you know at the end of the day if you the the people you work with or potentially you could work with they're not stupid either like they yeah they want to do their homework and look at you know your team and your your audience and you know your following and like they, they can and so why why trying to hide something like I'll, I'll tell you from a 2K League perspective, it's not a secret that like the 2K League, I think, has done a great job, and and we've opened doors to a lot of a lot of gamers, to a lot of brands, to a yeah. lot of. But is it the biggest league out there in these sports? It's not. So no. yeah, like why say so, right? Like you might as well just just tell the brands, look, this is what you can offer, and here's the reason why, right? And every team in the 2K League could give you a different reason why. 
but I think I think you're absolutely right. You have to be if you're honest. I think the the brands will will. It's not the first first rodeo. So exactly. They, at some point, they're gonna find out. Right. So. Yeah, might as well just make sure that you tell them the truth and then try to work as, as hard as you can to please them while they're a partner. You're exactly right. They may be new to esports, but they're not new to partnerships or sponsorships in sports and entertainment. Yeah. The 2K League is, and NBA 2K more broadly has been cited as a, a great example of how to integrate non-endemic brands. We've seen them do some really cool stuff with Mountain Dew. We've seen them integrate recorded music into their into their game in really cool ways. What are some examples or maybe some advice for brands to integrate into gaming or specifically into esports? It's a good question. So I'll start with NBA2K. I think the reason why they're doing such a good job is because it's pretty hard. I think they're pretty unique in the way they're engaging with the gamers themselves, first of all. And so like if you play FIFA or Madden or like there are plenty of game modes, plenty of other things you can do during the, you know, while you, you're playing. But 2K gives you an opportunity to really build your own little, you know, posse, right? To be like you can yeah. really just you have a, you have neighborhoods inside 2K mm-hmm. where you can just go and chill, right? And so you have a lot of gamers that just go and do just that. They will just chill with their friends in their virtual neighborhood. Uh, right. And so by by doing that, I think 2K has been building a very strong and loyal community. And then brands are seeing this because now you have as a brand, you have an opportunity to, to reach the audience you've been trying to reach so, so you know, hard. And guess what? You may have a billboard somewhere in Orlando and not reach any of those, you know, those Gen Zs or millennials. You may have the right. same billboard inside the game in 2K in the neighborhood and make sure they reach all of them. Right? So like, I think the way 2K has approached this has been really, you know, really smart. And, and I think that's why the brands are showing a lot of interest in that type of game because now also you're just in front of so many eyes and organically. Right? You, you literally just, you don't have to be in front of their face. And plus in those neighborhoods, if you've played, you've got you know so many opportunities to just integrate brands through you know purchases. And you know you go and get your Gatorade and you go and, yeah. you know, like you, you buy, you, you know, you buy your own Nikes and you, so there's so many, so many ways for them to do that. So I, I don't advise, I mean, that's, you know, I like the way, as a brand, again, we, it goes back to what we were saying. You have to recognize what your strengths are mm-hmm. as a team or as a league or as a game, right? And then bring that to the brand and be like, look, here, here is the access I'm giving you by coming to esports, right? Something that you may not get by trying traditional sports. Right. And I'm a big believer in enhancing the experiences of the community and giving them what they want but cannot attain for themselves. And then your brand is embraced. And I, I think teams are a great source for doing this because every young person who these brands are trying to reach is playing video games, right? The other thing people need to understand is that young gamers identify digitally just as much as physically. So when you called out those Nikes, right? Like I got a new pair of shoes I'm actually wearing right now. You can't see them because I don't have the foot cam, but I'm super hyped on these shoes, right? I'm walking around. I'm feeling pretty good about myself, hoping somebody might ask me about them. But if I'm 15 years old, I'm getting that same pair of kicks in the game, and it's that same dynamic. So a big believer in figure out what do people want. They want it digitally. And if your brand can essentially gain credit for giving that to them, 
some sort of partnership, whether your name is attached to it. Obviously, if you're Nike or somebody like that, that's very organic with the shoe example. But has that been something in your experience that has been effective or is there anything else that you would point to? No, and I, to be completely honest, I may not be the, the best person to talk about this simply because I, you know, we have a strong relationship with the NBA, with the 2K League, right? Mm-hmm. 2K is technically a co-owner of the league. And right. so, so I, it's not like I talk to the guys at 2K too often or we're in the same world, but almost two different sides of it. Sure. So there might be somebody else out there that may, that may be able to answer that a little better than I can. No, I appreciate that. We'll get them on the podcast and we'll, we'll see yeah, that over should. to them. I do have a more specific question here that I think is in line with your experience, and that's chised esports or geographically located esports. One thing I think is really interesting, Overwatch was the first one that, as a pure esports league not tied to traditional sports, said, we're going to have teams in cities around the world the same way we see traditional sports. Obviously, you guys have experienced in the NB2K League the franchise esports, and What really opened my eyes to the value of it was the Houston Outlaws did a deal with HEB. Do you know what HEB is by chance? Okay. I don't. I didn't either at the time. Found out. So HEB is a local grocery store in the Houston area. And you know these fans can be brutal on Reddit and Twitter, right? And so sometimes when something doesn't seem to fit, a team can just get brutalized online. So I remember seeing that announcement, but I didn't know anything about HEB. Turns out HEB is like the coolest grocery store of all time and everybody like super loves it. And so that partnership with the Outlaws was everybody loved it. It was very successful. It was awesome. And what went through my head was HEB is a local grocery store, a local business, right? They don't have a national or a global footprint. If there's not a local team, that company has no way to reach gamers through esports, right? Because you're only relevant to this DMA of the broader Houston area. I'm curious in your experience leading partnerships both in Colorado with the soccer team and then also in Orlando with Magic Gaming, have you found it beneficial to be specifically local to an area to be able to reach out to partners and help them reach youth? So for us, it's a little bit different simply because we didn't show up and said, hey, Orlando is going to be our hometown. Like we had the Magic have been here for 30 years. Right. So the Magic already had that presence in Orlando and in Central Florida. So the challenge for us was more to be able to tell the story to the local folks and brands. Hey, look, not only... We're part of the magic, and, and not only you know, but we are here in Orlando as well. We've got our own professional studio, we've got our own streaming studio, we've got our own right. It's so like it goes back to you know educating all those brands. So that was a little bit different for us. I do think that it is a challenge when when you compete in these sports. You've got so for example, like us and every team in Kelly, we've got a local presence, mm-hmm. but we really have more of a national brand. So. That brings challenges when you sell partnerships because you will have local brands that will say, I want to partner with somebody local. I can partner with the Magic and I'll get a, a bigger local mm. footprint, right? Sure. And then you have brands who will say, well, I'm more of a national brand. So if I want to get you know, national exposure, there's some other brands out there that can give you national exposure. So it's that's sure. the tricky part really when you have a, a geographically focused 
franchise. Yeah. So you kind of have to deal with both, right? So you have to find, it doesn't mean that you can't find partners, but you, ha- you have to really do your homework to find the brands that are really trying to reach this audience specifically in Orlando and then, and then I mean, find the right fit. So does right. that make sense? Like it's, 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 not a, it's not an easy process to go through because because not every brand wants the same thing no exactly and so and then you're always fighting with the leagues too I, i've been part of some of these conversations where it's like the league saying do a league deal and the teams are like nah do a team deal we can make it more focused and then you're saying what i'm hearing you say is like so with magic basketball it's like wait if i just do a deal there it's maybe a little bigger maybe a little more known but my guess would be that magic gaming you're saying but what we uniquely do is we give you that pipeline directly to youth in the way that they are engaging and spending their time. Is that close to accurate? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can obviously offer different things than the Magic because mm-hmm. the Magic are focused on basketball and the NBA. And so, you know, if you go to any NBA team out there in any NBA game, they will have a, most likely they will have a 2K night, right? right. They will have something related to gaming because they, they understand there is a, a bucket of fans there that they could, you know, that's right there and they might as well just make that connection. But having a team, a 2K team, I think brings that to a whole different level because now we independently can put things together, you know, whether it's tournaments or meeting greets or whatever it is, that we can do things on our own to, to really build that loyalty from a brand perspective with those fans that are much younger. Right? So it's a, it's an interesting thing for sure. Like it, it goes both ways. You know, it helps us to have the magic behind because it's a presence that, you know, we didn't have to start from scratch. Yeah. And then I think hopefully, hopefully it helps them to have us around because we can, you know, open doors that maybe it would be a little harder for them to open. But to your point earlier there, there's been times when we'll find a brand who's willing to partner with us, but they right. technically want to activate in a different market, right? And also we can't do that because we're under the same the same regulations as the NBA, by which right. every team has like a like around 50 mile radius for advertising so it's it's tricky for sure but it's part of the game yeah i'm curious to get your take on something that i think is a huge need and has not fully been figured out and that is traditional sports teams engaging youth through gaming so obviously the nba and the nba 2k league is a very direct tie i'm pretty close with complexity i was involved with the naming rights deal at their headquarters of the gamestop performance center years ago and i remember their headquarters they did an activation or the integration in their headquarters the miller light players lounge and miller light is a sponsor of the cowboys and i remember thinking like wow that is genius that jerry jones can just say hey all my current partners I I now have your youth engagement. Uh, obviously, Miller Lite's a little, <laughs> a little older. Twenty one plus is who they're targeting, for the record. But you also see all these traditional sports owners buying teams, right? Like so, Robert Kraft up in New England. You know, he's they just partnered with OXG to do their Boston CDL team. Also taking over the Boston Uprising. You've got all sorts of owners with traditional sports, you know, acquiring and, you know, sometimes it's like, well, yeah, this is like my version of an expensive painting. I just want to own one of everything, but I'm curious what your experience is and any advice you can give. How can traditional sports teams engage youth through gaming effectively? So I would start. So teams or ownership groups that have multiple professional teams, right? In sports, even not, 
don't even count esports, right? Mm-hmm. What's the reason behind it? I mean, they have those because it gives them access to, to a much broader audience. But at the end of the day, if you not every you know MLS fan is going to watch the NFL and vice versa, right? So right. be able to kind of have like a presence in two different buckets and two different markets, right? So I see that kind of the same thing for esports. I mean, those owners those owners have understood. Look, there is a, a an opportunity here to not only connect with a different group because some some esports fans are going to be completely outside of the sports spectrum, right? They don't like sports; they just like esports. And others, like 2K fans, 2K League fans, will be basketball fans. I think I saw that number the other day about I think 83 percent of our fans in the 2K League are NBA fans. Mm. So, like, it shows you that like you have, but maybe those fans don't have a team yet that they're that they're supporting, and so. It's a great opportunity for the NBA and for all those franchises like Magic and Magic Gaming to reach a, a group of younger folks that, you know, to really build a loyalty from a young age to the point where eventually they remembered playing, you know, NBA 2K, then they remembered watching Magic Gaming, and then what's the next step is they're watching the Magic, right? So that's kind of the goal. Right. So I could see, in my opinion, that's why those those owners are going that route is because they can clearly see. No, look, not only we can reach a group of like a younger demographic, because let's be honest, every traditional sports out there is is getting older, and so this this opens doors that maybe they wouldn't be able to open without without esports. So it's a it's a smart investment, right? It doesn't mean that all of a sudden they switch everything to esports, but it means that they they understand. Look, there's there there are opportunities there that we could use, and obviously if you have a sports team and multiple sports teams, it, it opens other doors for your esports properties too right because you can kind of blame the two and and the two can even help each other out so yeah that's really interesting and i i think there's also an more and more all the time a a closer tie between traditional sports and esports from the standpoint that the professional traditional sports players are gamers themselves now so it's it's well known here in dallas that luca loves to play Fortnite. (laughs) we talked about lebron james a little earlier his son Bronny james has a deal with FaZe Clan. He's playing a lot of NBA 2K and other games. And so that access that we talked about is uniquely with esports and content creators is now starting to bleed into traditional sports as the professional basketball players themselves and other sports are now gamers and in- interacting with audiences the same way as content creators would. Well, I think about this, right? From all those those kids that are playing 2K, right? No matter if they become NBA players in the future, I don't know how many will, but or if they just, no matter what they do, right? They will get in business, they will get in, like they grew up with the same thing that you and I grew up with, watching, you know, soccer or baseball or like, or for you, for the magic, right? Like right. having that, you know, it's nostalgic at some point, right? And so that's why esports is getting so big. And that's why, more and more like owners are getting into it and it's like some really have a passion for it too because they yeah. grew up with it their kids grew up right and little by little it's becoming a more of a culture shift so it's pretty interesting yeah i think as as the gaming population starts to age you now have this dynamic where fathers or mothers and their sons or daughters are able to play together and I, i'm experiencing this myself actively actually i have a seven-year-old son and we just discovered a new arcade near our house the other day. And so actually on Saturday, we went there for like four hours. Arcade 92 in McKinney, Texas, shout out. But we went there 
And you know, my son is is mind blown. It's like he's in Candyland, right? He's in heaven over here with all these arcade games, and then you've got the newer consoles, the retro consoles. What I noticed about the people in there, you had a number of people, myself included, where you had a father who had all these memories of being in the arcade. Tekken, Mortal Kombat was at the pizza, the pizza shop we used to play at when I was growing up. And then now I can engage my son in not Mortal Kombat yet. He's seven, but we did play Tekken. And then you also have dates of like, you know, guys and girls who are there just like super fun activity. And is this like really cool dynamic that there were so many different audiences that this one place was targeting all at once, just because we're now at a point that people who are up to 40, a little older than that, have grown up with games their entire lives. So it's completely normal to you. Like when for other parents, maybe for your parents, right? Right. My dad would have never played a video game with me. As, right. As nice of a man as he is. Same. Just, it was <laughs> never his thing. Like when, yeah, now I play FIFA with my, my eight-year-old. And so, you know, it, it's, it's definitely a thing where you're able to see the switch or the, the shift. And then the cool thing is now you also have arcades kind of coming back to you know, the, the, the front stage. And so, uh, you know, it's funny, we have, we opened a space at Amway Center, so the home of the Magic. Mm-hmm. We opened a, the first gaming space. What we have, it's a, it's a Magic Gaming, we call it the Magic Gaming Hub. Right. Uh, and it's a way for us to, to wait for the Magic to have kind of a gaming, you know, specific space. And then for us to also connect with NBA fans. Right? So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a win-win. So as part of that, we have, we have a partnership with a company called the Arcade One Up. They're the guys who build those, those arcade machines. Yeah. And so we have, you know, we have some gaming cases where, you know, the kids, so anytime you see a family walk by, it's super interesting because you'll see the kids run through the cases where they play like NBA 2K on Xbox or PlayStation. And then the, all the dads are like, oh, look, NBA Jam and just run to the arcade. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely interesting to watch. And I'm just sitting there like thinking, huh, every time. So it's, there is, there is something there that is nostalgic for those parents. And, this, you know, they, it's, it's a bonding time now for, for them and their kids. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, we as parents, like the thing we want more than anything other than keeping our kids safe is to be able to relate and to bond with them. Right. And so I think there's also a great opportunity for teams out here to help bring in parents, help them better understand the newer games, right? Because the retro games, it's like, oh yeah, I grew up with NBA Jam or Mortal Kombat or Tekken or whatever, but maybe I haven't played Fortnite. Maybe I haven't played Overwatch or one of these newer games within the last few years. And there's this great opportunity to bring in, have a little bit of education, have a unique experience for the kid. Maybe you've got a pro there or a content creator, but bringing together both father and son, mother, son, mother, you know, the whole family in a way that now you can relate with your kids in a way that is important to them and significant to them and building that relationship. It's cool that gaming can do that now. Absolutely. We have about, let's see, 10-ish minutes here left in this episode. I want to give you an opportunity to share some of what you're doing with some of your partners. I know you've got some great partners with, I believe it's Advent Health, Florida Blue, some others. We've talked a lot about how you know traditional sports and then also esports can interact with brands. Is there anything that you'd like to share about what you're actively doing with your partners? Sure. One, one thing that comes to mind just because it, we literally just launched last week is, so we, 
you know, talking about brands and being honest with brands and trying to understand your own value and also how you can help those brands, right? Like we have a partnership now with Florida Blue, which is a, a health insurance partner of the Magic. And they've been partners of Magic for a very long time. Yeah. I think they've watched us kind of grow from the esports side, from the sideline. And must have been pretty impressed with what we're doing because at some point we started having conversations about, hey, how do we how do we help, right? And from their point of view, they're trying to reach a younger audience. And, you know, as we start growing, we started growing more locally. They got really excited about the, the opportunity. So what we did is we, we thought, hey, what if we launched some kind of, you know, esports academy that would allow us to connect those kids with esports professionals, right? And I know it's not a, it's not a, you know, rocket science. I mean, some other people have done it before. Yeah. But, but here in Orlando, it's, it's something that nobody says done. And so. Cool. So that's what we did. So we launched, uh, and recently we launched the Magic Gaming Esports Academy. If you go on the website, you can actually see it as a tab Esports Academy. And, and what it's for, it's really for esport, for uh, um, high school and college students to um, connect as a community and also to hear from esports professionals. And so we had wow. our first virtual seminar. Everything is free. We had our first seminar this past Wednesday where we had Bennett Newsom from Full Sail University who came on and and uh, you know, talked about he's he's a great guy to have on board because he you know he's he's done it all. I mean, he's he streams, he he's part of panels, he helps with the growth de- development of Full Sail and the Fortress and all that. And so we have a a, a, a series of virtual seminars that we're doing for those kids. Mm-hmm. And then also as part of that, we'll be going to schools, right? So high schools, colleges. We cool. talked about UCF earlier. We're talking to UCF right now about having an in-person panel with some of their guests, some of ours on campus. So. Anyway, it's been interesting because we've we've been able to take a partner that was a strong partner with Magic and show them some value from an esports perspective. Yeah, and we know any any new program is going to take some time to develop. Um, sure. But the goal is to really, as we do this, is to include them from a you know the organic portion for them to be a part of this is all those kids probably have no clue on on health and wellness, you know, both physical but mental. Yeah. And and so as part of our seminars, as part of our visits, we make sure that we include some component of you know asking those esports professionals like how, how big of a deal it is for them to stay healthy and, and what they do to stay healthy and so anyway that's one that comes to mind when you talk about you know partners and activation and it's something that we've recently launched and, and hopefully we'll see grow but, but it's been pretty fun yeah i love that example speaking of bennett he we're actually recording an episode in a couple weeks from now so i'm excited to host him and talk all about what he's done at full sale that's a really cool partnership because what I'm pulling from what you're saying is number one, you're helping high school and college students understand how they can have a career in esports from people who are doing it themselves. Every kid is a big fan of gaming like we've talked about, but not everybody can maybe is aware of the path or what my different opportunities are in the space and then how I can take those steps to bringing that to life. And then the other thing with how you're so the partner is enabling that essentially but then you're also integrating what they do in a very important way with from the physical but also mental health aspect where mental health is a big focus nowadays especially amongst young people and so you're enabling in a very organic way your partner to support the community in important ways which is their organic service right right and and what one funny thing is that we've seen since we've launched, we've seen parents come on and sign up their kids for the seminars or sign up for like the, cool. uh, the academy as a, as a whole. Yeah, which is super interesting. 
because we can tell because we have you know as we when you, when you sign up you get to give some kind of basic information and so we see parents setting up their kids which shows like you know again there is a there's a, there's a shift in the way people see esports right parents yeah. starting to understand there are opportunities out there for their kids and being a gamer and playing video games for hours a day can be a bad thing for you but sure but if it's if it's well controlled it can literally give you a career that that you know you wouldn't have if you if you didn't have those opportunities so it's it's a it's a pretty cool thing to see that change yeah that's neat too because i can also see how you might originally just say oh this is a benefit for the kids they now know they can get this career and they have an understanding of how to do it but like we talked about parenting before is parents want nothing more than great things for their kids so if you're helping not only my kid figure out what they can do to make a living and I can get them out of my house once they're 18, but yeah, not to pay for college. <laughs> exactly. But also it's, you're helping parents understand the positive aspects of gaming and that this thing, I always say the negative aspects of gaming are obvious and the positive aspects are far less obvious because when we grew up, we were taught don't sit too close to the TV and don't watch it too much. Right. So my goodness, that must still be true with games. And now I have no idea what you're doing. You're shooting stuff. Like what's going on? And we often fear what we don't understand. So we just either pull our kids away from it or we as parents don't interact. And so that's another benefit you're providing there is helping to say, look, yeah, we're not saying kids should be playing video games all day long and just sitting there in front of a screen. But there are some things that the thing that you may have thought your kid is just wasting their time might be assisting them in having a great career in the future. And it's funny because we, we had to explain that exactly to the partner too. Like we had to tell the partner like, Hey, look, here's the approach we're going to take and what we recommend. Right? Yeah. And here's why, <clears throat> because they, they thought, you know, that these sports had to do with you know, competitions and with like, no, there, there are plenty, plenty of things out there that sports can bring aside from just sitting in front of a screen and, you know, on your couch and competing and so uh, the goal wasn't through this specifically the goal wasn't to, to promote the, the the competitive portion of esports mm-hmm. it was to promote the career aspects and, and the i love that. that come from it so yeah you're gonna have far more kids who are gonna have opportunities off the stage than on it in the same way that we see in traditional Correct. sports right supporting their favorite activity as we round out this episode first of all thank you so much for being here i've seen you on stages at different conferences we've been in some of the same rooms but we've never really had a long time to sit down and talk and i've always respected what you've done from a distance and so it's really cool to to talk with you directly as we round out this episode anything that you'd like to tease or anything that you're looking forward to the end of year or going into 2023 in esports or with magic gaming specifically not much we we're currently fighting for a spot in the playoffs for in the nba 2k league so if you get a chance to go and support magic gaming please do awesome uh, you know as soon as we hit the off season which is in about two weeks and it's almost like a complete shift in in focus. I, we we tend to do a little more, you know, get a little more into YouTube videos and you know more like focus on on the game two K a little more than we do during the season. Cool. But uh, yeah, no, nothing, no, nothing crazy. I mean, then if you see the seminars, it's free and it's open to anybody. So even if you're not in high school or or college, you're welcome to come and join. Yeah, and where can people view those seminars again? So it's a free Zoom link that we send, but really the easiest way is go on the Magic Gaming website and okay. then just register. So basic information, 
okay, no fees, nothing. And then once we've got your information, you'll get a little email telling you, hey, welcome to the academy. You can join us on Discord. So we're kind of creating a little community around it. And then as soon as we have another speaker lined up, so the next one will be, it's every fourth Wednesday or every last Wednesday of the month. So you have about three weeks before the next one. You'll get an email, you get a notification about you know who's speaking. But we got some pretty good, pretty interesting speakers. I'm sure some of you might have had on your show and others that are pretty big names out there that you know it'll, it'll be interesting to, to hear from them. That's awesome. I'm going to check that out myself. Last question for you. What are ways that people can follow you and follow Magic Gaming in the ways that you'd like them to? Me, I'm, I'm really only active through, you know, on social media, through Magic Gaming, you know, and it's a big, it's a big platform for me. But mm-hmm. aside from that, I'm very much of a family guy who tries to, you know, stay away from screens when I can. So it's really more Magic Gaming. But again, watch Magic Gaming. I think we, we're competing right now in two different tournaments called the Steel and the Ticket, which technically if we win, will open the doors to the playoffs for us. So those games are live on Twitch, the NBA 2K League channel. And aside from that, we always have, I mean, we have some, we have a few tournaments we're going to be announcing pretty soon, virtual tournaments for different schools and draft eligibility. So there's quite a bit, quite a bit coming. So just stay tuned, follow us. This time's coming. Awesome. We'll, we'll stay following you and we'll definitely be cheering for Magic Gaming, getting into the playoffs and, and throughout. So thank you so much once again, Gabe, for joining me today on the DLC Drop Podcast. Thanks, John. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review. 